0: hi everybody david noor i want to welcome you to another episode of our rev Op live i'm joined by my business partner jen cords hello jen good morning noor nice to see you for our audience um this is a new series we've launched and it's fundamentally focused on uh, really this evolving if not accelerating area that encompasses marketing technology sales technology And I've often coached clients that the relationship really starts once a customer buys. So the third and critical part of it that unfortunately may not be as uh, visible, but critical nonetheless is customer success. And how do we ensure that the adoption, uh, the advocacy, the reevaluation and re-engagement goes well for ongoing, for that lifetime value of that client and the overarching area is called revenue operations and it's really about operational efficiency. It's about effectiveness. It's about creating revenue impact, material impact in the organization. So this episode, Jen, you and I are going to talk about this baseline audit. And I have to start with a question. In your experience, what comes to mind when you've
1: seen people here audit? A lot of people envision getting their taxes done and needing to pull out all the receipts and all of that stuff. When you hear the word "audit," what do you hear?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people think you're going to come and you know dig into my darkest, deepest secrets, and you're going to call my baby ugly, and and that's not it at all. As a matter of fact, you and I talk about this is very much a collaborative effort where we come alongside. Uh, leaders in each of those critical buckets, right? Marketing technology, sales technologies, customer success, and, and really look at an, of the overarching rev ops and really look at, you want to talk about three things, processes, capabilities, and the tech stack. Um, so let's start there. We're going to talk, and, and by, the, by the way, for our audience, we're live on Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitter, I encourage you to jump in with questions, comments, examples, Uh, Jen and her team lead this effort for us in a a practice, a RevOps practice. So you're hearing it directly from the source of a whole lot of what we've seen and works and what doesn't. So Jen, when an executive asks to give an overview of this baseline, the RevOps baseline audit, let's start there. And I'm going to bring up our Accelerate Time to Close process, but talk a little about what that entails.
1: Absolutely. So the baseline audit ultimate goal is to have a holistic view of not only your database, but what technologies you're using and who has access to what, and then ultimately how are all those things connected together? So that's that's the end ultimate goal that we're getting, uh, wanting to achieve from the baseline audit.
0: And let's go through, what is it that, uh, A, who's involved? Let's start with stakeholders first.
1: Yeah, so stakeholders are whoever is an admin within the various tools, so that's your marketing ops person, your sales ops person, uh, potentially somebody in the customer success ops, if you have that function already built out, and probably somebody in finance, and then finally incorporating IT. And do you go in with certain
0: expectations? Do you go in with, uh, let's be honest, any kind of a bias? Or, or how do you approach um, a company that you know you and I may not know, When you're looking at this baseline of kind of the current state, if you will?
1: Yeah. So, how I approach it is more from a third party, no skin in the game type uh, opinion. And so, I'll go in and just help surface the information, not make judgment calls on it, not criticize how things are done. It's just creating that level set understanding of how all of these things are working together.
0: And are there some things you're looking for leading up to the actual audit itself? Are there some uh, lenses or perspectives that tells you, ooh, they've really thought about this? Uh, or, you know what, there might be some potential pitfalls uh, or even opportunities they're headed for.
1: I would say I do go in with a set of questions. I'm, more than anything, I'm trying to answer like the who, what, where, when, why Uh, when companies have thought about their strategy and then implemented tools that would support that strategy, you see a a much cleaner tech stack. But when you see sort of an ad hoc amalgamation of all these different tools, you know that the strategy has either changed and they haven't deprecated some of those tools or they've, they've just added tools as needed. And that's when you have a lot of point solutions. So I do go in there and try and Assess is there a strategy related to their tools or is there not?
0: And as you and I talked about, our average client is utilizing some, you know, 40, 50, 60 different tools that individuals have added as, as you mentioned, point solutions, right? We want this solution to solve this problem either without a lot of times an overarching roadmap or as you said, alignment of the strategy, or That person brings a tool in, they install it, they use a fraction of what it's capable of, and then for whatever reason, they leave or their roles change, and then there's really no owner for that. Is that that pretty consistent with what you see as well?
1: Yes. Legacy tools and just things that exist in the system because they've always existed there is very common with most Companies across all different industries, they, they change strategies, people change jobs, they change approach, or a new shiny object, I call it SOS syndrome, um, they get sold something and they bring it in and they absolutely love it. And so then they forget about their old toys, uh, if you will.
0: Appreciate uh, Doug Lehman is joining us. Doug is a good friend. And by the way, I love his uh, Lehman's, Lehman's Terms uh, focus. So it talks about removing bias for better mindset on listening for intent and assessment uh, is uh, is a good way to approach approach uh, this baseline audit approach or, or topic. So let's let's go through each steps. So at a kickoff, what are you looking for? What do you asked for? How do you start this this uh, baseline revops ops uh, uh, audit? The
1: first thing that I'm going to be asking for is access to their tools, and then also any documentation that they may have related to set up uh, baseline entitlements, who has access to that tool, um, how do changes get processed. And then also I'm wanting to set up meetings with those key stakeholders who owns these tools, both from the back end, this is how it works type ownership, but then also the end users of who needs to be in that tool working day to day, Populating the data, and so I'd, I'd want to set up those meetings from the get go. I know one of
0: the things you're passionate about is documentation. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> yes.
0: How do you? What, what? Why? What do you attribute the lack of? Because you and I meet a lot of good-intended people. Who, meanwhile, is it just they get overwhelmed? Is it they don't know where to start? Is there lack of a consistency in in creating a playbook? Why is documentation missing in so many organizations? You and I, you and I connect
1: with. Yes to all of the above. A lot of times companies are moving so quickly. Documentation is the last thing on their list. And and it's one of those items where I'll get to it later, but then later comes and you never get to it. So it, it is something that has to be intentional and it's living documents. So as the process changes, that documentation needs to change. Uh, one of the startups that I worked for, um, it's GitLab. It's a, it's a public company now, but documentation is, is key. Their handbook is, I think it's 15,000 pages if you actually printed it out, but it's all digital. And that is the single source of truth. If you need anything, that's where you go. And that's the first thing that changes when you decide to change any type of process, people, plan, ownership. So the documentation is absolutely key for when people leave, but also scalability and asynchronous environments and this remote work and this digital first type environment that we're all now in, that documentation is absolutely essential.
0: So you said early on you want access and you want to better understand uh, key roles, key responsibilities. What are some of the bigger aha moments you walk into in, in that review of individuals and roles and responsibilities?
1: Probably the biggest one is this audit uncovers what tools exist within the ecosystem and sales may not know marketing has a certain tool or customer success may have data and insights that would be really helpful for segmentation for marketing and those teams don't know that those tools exist and or they don't have those conversations to even ask the right questions to uncover does that data exist.
0: I'm also a a big believer that we're all creatures of habit, right? So we kind of gravitate towards particularly tools that work for us. I may not be a Google Sheets person, but you know what? I like Excel. So I'm going to keep my last 50, 100 customer interviews and all of that data in an Excel spreadsheet, which, by the way, is not scalable and nobody else knows that I have this. Do you run into those pockets of, regardless of the tool... I call them really insights that an individual has on their own or through an initiative is captured that nobody else has visibility to.
1: Absolutely. Sales are the biggest offenders, I would say, of this. Sales guys, they love taking notes. They have great relationships. They're really good at having those conversations. But then getting them to add them to a tool like Salesforce is really difficult. A lot of times because the operations person hasn't had the conversation with the end user to understand what hurdles they're having to go through or how many fields they're having to fill out. Like how hard is it for a salesperson actually to put that information in? And so sales is really wanting to help, but because it's so time intensive, they're just like, no, I'm just going back to my way, scratch paper, back of the napkin, Excel spreadsheet. Um, They just find what's easiest for them.
0: And again, this is for our audience this is uh this is the painter uh, you know trying to you know tell other people that the house needs painting, right So uh, I've been uh, me for a long time and, and I've got ton of relationships and one of the things Jen uncovered in in audit of our own tech stack is nor that information isn't in Salesforce. So if you want others to Act on it uh, to gain insights into who's who and who does what and your last interactions and what's the next step in serving that client or serving that opportunity. We we kind of need, as Jen mentioned, a single source of the truth. So a- again, I I don't want you the A and Jen correct me if I'm wrong, but A hey, we've yet to walk into any place where it's perfect, right? And and again, I want to reiterate, good people hardworking people, good intentions, sales, marketing, customer success, operations, but really focused on their own priorities. And it's kind of appealing to my own self-interest of here's kind of what I'm trying to get done and not perhaps visibility to the bigger picture. Is that is that fair? Is that accurate?
1: I would say that is accurate, especially when everybody's just trying to move quickly and you're under numbers, everybody has quota. They're going to find the easiest path, very much like a river, the water is going to flow downstream somehow in the most straightforward path. And with sales, marketing technologies, you have to make it easy for them and remove those barriers. And so ultimately that's what ops's job is, just across the board ops. And if you don't do that, then your end users will find other ways to get that done. And it creates unnecessary friction.
0: How have you found... Uh, and and this may be beyond the scope of the baseline audit, but adoption, right? You and I've seen some great technology identified, you know, clients buy this just really cool tools. What have you found to be kind of enablers of not just introducing the tool, but creating adoption and creating uh, not just initial excitement, but kind of ongoing sustained excitement around, look at what, you know, we use Zoom info, we use, know several other tools to kind of integrate with Salesforce. Talk a little about adoption and getting not just sales but marketing and customer success to adopt, embrace new tools and new processes.
1: Absolutely. I think the key to all adoption is making them aware of what's in it for them. Why does it benefit them and how can they gain those insights? So, for example, if you bring in a new, I don't know, call recording software, you want them to understand why you're bringing it in how it'll help them and then also give them quick wins of how can you see this in salesforce how are you how are other people using it where can i find reports that will help me understand that impact better and then rinse and repeat those conversations to make sure that they actually are using it they have questions you give them opportunities to be trained on deeper functionality of it. It's no technology is a set and forget. So
0: one of the things you and I talked about was uh, in expecting what you expect, inspecting what you expect, yep. and really incorporating the tools and the processes into the culture, into your conversations, into the way you manage and the way you lead, into you know using that. and again uh, for our audience. We're trying to eat some of our own cooking, right? So is there a engagement list within Salesforce of our active engagements? Is there an opportunity list that's generated as a report every Monday morning in advance of our team meetings? So these are the things that uh, we're also working on in bringing that consistency and discipline into not just input, not just putting stuff into a system, but really making it actionable and insightful in the reports, dashboards the insights you get out of a system. So Jen, let's talk about a roadmap. So part of the baseline audit is to create a roadmap or if there is a roadmap, let's really kind of stress test that and really look at processes, capabilities, and tools. Talk about the value of the roadmap for a second.
1: The value of the roadmap really is to give everyone an understanding of usage, impact, where are we going and how are we gonna get there? you can look at it kind of from a like a product release schedule of here's where we are today we're trying to get to the top of this mountain this is how we're going to get there and here are the deliverables along the way so that's that's ultimately what the roadmap is and you shift as you go and new company goals come up you add to the roadmap or you change the roadmap and so it's it's just that like a learning curve it, it allows you to make small adjustments and you get further versus building something and then releasing this massive product at the end that may no longer fulfill where you are in the ecosystem.
0: What are some of the bigger stumbling blocks or challenges in creating that roadmap and adhering to it without others uh, you know, kind of throwing in their own iterations or versions or uh, kind of bolt-ons to it?
1: I think level setting from the beginning that this is how these teams are going to work and the, and everybody agreeing and having that alignment on end goal and then having regular check-ins be it weekly bi-weekly of where are we how are we getting like how are we delivering on these things is there anything new that anyone needs and have those conversations on a frequent enough basis that you're modifying that roadmap as needed and people aren't going off and doing their own thing.
0: One of the key things you mentioned that I, I was speaking to a, a CRO yesterday who uh, was privately uh, just talking about that the marketing function, again, very competent, very capable, and really focused on their own KPIs, focused on their own strategic priorities, focused on, you and I have talked about this attribution, right? So we did our part we sent it to sales and they need to do their job <laughs> i'm paraphrasing and and when you and i hear us and them or those guys or that department or that function it really highlights that we're not talking about we and we're not we're not rowing i had an old professor would say you know and and you're a, you're a crew background are we rowing with the same velocity and veracity in the same direction. And and the sooner we can embrace we across marketing, sales and tech stack, the more successful we're gonna be. My question of you is why, and this might be a, a, a bigger question, but why is that alignment so difficult to ascertain? Why is that alignment so difficult to not just create early on, but sustain as the organization grows?
1: That's a good question. I would say one of the biggest reasons is lack of common KPIs. And everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, sales and marketing sometimes have competing goals and they're not viewed as the same. Everybody, everybody needs to cross the finish line, but how you get there, each department takes a different approach. And so without that alignment, you're going to have 12 ways to boil that water. Um, And so I think sales and marketing, having strong heads of both and both of them working as counterparts to each other and then translating that same sort of alignment all the way down their respective organizations is key. And it also, not thinking of them, us versus them is another way that you shouldn't do like work with the alignment Um, and just having those conversations frequently and often and find your counterpart and have regular meetings with them. So sales ops, marketing ops, don't work in two silos. You work in the same system, find a way to work together.
0: So we've got the roadmap. We've got alignment. We also talk about the user journeys of the digital relationships your organization wants to build from that first touch all the way through that customer life cycle. So if I raise my hand and say, I'm interested in this, you're a big believer of the responsiveness and they're highlighting key behaviors along their buyer journey. So talk about that user journey and and really the critical facets of the digital relationship along the way.
1: Yeah, so when like early Early stage startups, they don't have sales or, or closed one opportunities to narrow their scope. So they make a decision based off of what the executives or leadership know of the industry. This is our target. And they start creating personas based on that. And then marketing needs to have collateral and content that'll help engage and draw the person down and be more interested. And then sales needs to have supporting documentation as well. And so just identifying at a very high level those key buyer types is first step. and then make sure that at every key interaction along the way, there is either content collateral, a touch point of some kind, and make it seamless um, for the end user.
0: You and I have never, and for our audience would appreciate this comment, we've never run into lack of reports (laughs) or or lack of information on a dashboard. Talk about the right reports. Talk about uh, efficient, effective, impactful dashboards that are meaningful and something people look forward to getting, not roll their eyes to back of their heads of, good Lord, here's another report or dashboard that I can't do anything with?
1: The most important thing with any reporter dashboard is to have common buy-in. If people don't trust the data that are that is supporting that dashboard, they're not gonna believe the dashboard and they're not gonna use it in any way. So having that conversation with either marketing or sales leadership or both, and understanding what those KPIs are, and then building a dashboard that to support that, is is first step. Second step is also to make sure that the salesperson or marketing person knows what that data means and why it's important to them. So when a field marketing person is looking at the, let's say pipeline dashboard, why do they care? And so make it really seamless and easy for them to understand that information would be probably the next most important thing related to reports and dashboards.
0: I, I couldn't agree more with you on that data integrity. Uh, give our audience a glimpse into how do you ensure? And again, we're seldom walking into a a complete blank page, right? We're walking into a I don't quite want to call it a mess, but a, a spaghetti of of a whole lot of people that have 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 created campaigns. And you and I have walked into scenarios where there's literally tens, if not hundreds of thousands of names and leads. And by the way, in that in that bucket is Walmart and Nike and Marriott and some unbelievable logos. Talk about your efforts around data integrity. And how do you ensure that that data is accurate, the data is fresh? I, and you're going to chuckle. I often think of data as fish. The fresher <laughs> it is, the better it is. And after three days, <laughs> it just becomes uh, really ugly. So... I know you also believe in really fresh data, clean data, and never one and done, but kind of ongoing data hygiene. Talk about the data integrity for a second.
1: Yeah. So the data integrity also comes back to the audit to make sure you don't have silos because data in one system, if it doesn't talk to another system, you're creating versions of the truth, which we mentioned earlier, you want a single view for everyone. So the data integrity it again comes back to that conversation of what key pieces of information are important to sales, to marketing, to customer success to have, and then literally running a a script or an audit in the database to say, okay, we have 100,000 names, 50,000 of them have titles, 20,000 of them have phone numbers. And then based off of the data that you're missing, find the best way to supplement that, be it Zoom Info or Clearbit or any other data enrichment tool. But you first have to understand what you're working with. And so get that holistic view and then find your gaps.
0: So we've uh, looked at the processes. We've looked at the user journey. We've looked at the preliminary tech stack for roadmap. We've looked at the reports and the dashboards. You and I talk about uh, really ensuring tech stack enhancements are intentional talk about the evolution of the tech stack what does it come from what's the right way and the wrong way to look at expanding extending the tech stack when does it make sense when is it, does it doesn't make sense
1: absolutely so back to the, the the baseline audit and the roadmap one of the key pieces of that also is to map your tech stack i cannot stress enough that mapping your tech stack literally visually is one of the biggest things that most companies are missing and it's their biggest stumbling block as well because what that visual does it not only tells you your entire landscape but it also helps identify what impact like ripple effect will adding or subtracting any of these tools have on the rest of the technology and the rest of this ecosystem. So literally document, create a picture of it. And at what points along the journey does it interact with the end user? What is it connected to? So creating that, that holistic view is really key to enhance a tech stack. I mean, if you don't know what you're working with, it's really hard to be intentional, but understand the goals of the company and then identify tools that will help support that. You don't want to just bring in a tool and then figure out how to use it. It has to be the inverse.
0: Is that where that systems architecture that you talk about comes from? Is this visual representation of the tech stack?
1: Yes. And it is this most seamless way to communicate up, down, sideways to other vendors of this is what we're working with. This is how your tool or tools would fit into our stack. And then also from an executive level, This is what my teams are working with. This is the complexity that they have to deal with. Um, The job requirements and the skill sets of the people that I need on my team, that visualization will help identify those things.
0: So you mentioned aligning the, the goals of the business with the processes and the tech stack. I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you give us an example of what could be a company goal? that an executive, CRO, CMO, CFO says, we want to go do this. How does that translate into building, modifying, enhancing an existing process? And what does that translate into a new tool added to the tech stack?
1: Absolutely. So probably one of the biggest enhancements most organizations have as they grow is their sales organization gets segmented out into small business, mid-market enterprise, named accounts. And then on top of that, also territories. So it's not only EMEA, North America, APAC, it's now Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, in the Americas enterprise small business mid market. So you just have these layers of complexity and it creates this matrix. A lot of marketing automation systems are good at the routing, just the seamless, where are you, where do you need to go? But when you start layering in those segments And where they are, you need a tool that can handle a lot of those if-then statements. And so an enhancement that I've implemented several times is lean data. It not only can handle your routing, but it also can listen for data points within your system and reroute that person or opportunity based on new information that's coming into the system. So it it allows you to have a more clean database and it reduces a lot of that manual work that a sales ops team would have to do if a salesperson changes territories or you add a new segment or something like that.
0: So if I'm a, uh, an executive or a leader in a hundred million dollar company and your organization classifies me as small, then if I come to your website, if I somehow raise my hand and say, I'm interested in this, if I attend an event, you call that lean data, We'll route that to the right sales professional, the right sales team to follow up and follow through with me.
1: Yes. And uh, lean data also, if there's data in the system that then gets updated, and let's say you're at a hundred thousand person company, but Zoom info, which is an enrichment solution, says you were at a hundred person company in our system. You may be classified as small business, but then when you come to the website, you fill out a form, you now tell us you're at a 100,000 person company, the system will update say your enterprise and route you to now the right person instead of you being past like telephone, here, let me transfer you to a different department. The system can do a lot of that transferring seamlessly in the background and nobody has to touch it.
0: It sounds like you're intelligently and in many ways, saving me keystrokes, saving me manual labor intensive steps through proactive, through intentional automation and intentional bolt-on of functionality on the tech stack. Is that accurate?
1: That would be accurate. The Ultimately, again, ops's role is to work seamlessly in the background. If an end user, be it internally or externally, can get to their desired outcome without having hiccups, errors, roadblocks, anything like that, then Ops has done their job really well. And the tech stack is working seamlessly together.
0: Okay. So we've talked a lot about marketing upfront, creating awareness, kind of creating engagement. I know you do a lot of, you and your team do a lot of work around lead scoring. And let's say, you know, you really supported, your efforts really supported me to kind of go through the way I buy, get information, share information, get a demo, really do a proof of concept potentially. And you know what? I buy. Now sales is, you know, marketing did a great job. They passed that baton in the relay to sales. Sales did a great job through that process and kind of success, right? I bought. And as I said it early on in the process, I've always believed that that's really where the relationship starts. Talk about that handoff from marketing really did great job. Awareness, sales sold me. I bought in on the value proposition. I bought in on the impact you can have on my business. And now I'm a customer. What happens next? And kind of what does that handoff look like from sales to now some sort of a customer success team?
1: The best handoffs between sales and customer success is our warm handoffs. You don't just want to throw them over the fence and now you're, a new voice is talking to the person that that purchased whatever solution it is. So the salesperson sets up a meeting to create a handoff and have it be seamless, introduce them, and then customer success needs to really build that relationship and check in with the customer and make sure at 15 days, 30 days, 45 days, that they're getting the value that they need quickly. But then also continue that conversation throughout the year, you don't want that customer to only hear from us when it's time to renew because that's not actually building a relationship. So, I mean, you've written about it in a lot of your books relationships are key and having that alignment and having those conversations regularly and being able to leverage those relationships in a positive way where it's a win-win for everybody is really what customer success should be doing.
0: And I got to tell you what uh, there's, there's not a lot of full disclosure. I, I don't use a lot of, examples from the car industry but we did recently buy a car and and you you know you you know get awareness from their all their marketing and advertising and radio and tv and print ads and you know friends tell you about them and you see one and ooh i like it i'm not quite ready for electric but hybrid sounds good and you walk in you know so marketing did its job and i you know, walk into a showroom and the salesperson you know, very knowledgeable, very professional. We're talking about a a higher end car, and they show you around, and you love it. You buy it, not just through the 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 paperwork, but what I love, Jen. He he literally took us and he introduced us to the service manager. And let me let me let me walk you over there. And here's the service manager. And by the way, let me show you those for our audience. There are these antiquated things that are printed uh in the vehicles that are like the maintenance manuals and right and he said look here the service manual you know service intervals and you'll come and by the way in our packet was the salesman you know rep the manager that it was almost like a team approach and they wanted to ensure that we had a very smooth and by the way before we left the service manager scheduled kind of our first hey just come over and we'll check the car and we'll you know we'll do the kind of the first pass maintenance and by the way, we have a, 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 a car you can use while yours is getting service if we're going to hold on to it for an extended period of time. And so it was just a very smooth handoff. Is that the warm handoff you're referring to in any kind of an organization of don't just toss it over the wall? Make sure that the relationship you've nurtured along the way is actually the one that says, here's the rest of the team that's going to take this and ensure your success.
1: Absolutely, having that team approach and having those warm introductions so it's a friendly face to reach out to is critical for the long-term value that a customer will experience. And also just having that customer success person be able to translate back to sales of what is happening. So the salesperson can also check in occasionally. So just because customer success is now servicing that account because they are a customer, that sales rep really should just check in also, how is it going? Has the customer success person reached out? Do you have any support problems I can help with? Just so that that team environment is still experienced by the customer.
0: So uh, again, I'm gonna put you on the spot. What are some of the better uh, customer success technologies you've seen that can track my usage or adoption or because you said it if i'm not i bought it on the value but if i don't and i get busy right or another initiative comes up or one of our relationships is not going through a, a, a merger and acquisition kind of an event so they're distracted from some of that tech that they bought early on and so if you don't ensure adoption and engagement and when the renewal, a lot increasingly more and more businesses are going to the renewal kind of subscription, recurring revenue model, business model. When the renewal comes up, I'm like, who's this again? <laughs> and, and what are you asking about? And I haven't fully embraced it. So what are some of the customer success technologies you've seen that really create that seamless, seamless experience? Uh,
1: probably one of my favorites is called Gainsight. It's is a technology that can send out surveys. It also kind of keeps track of the health of a account within your system. So it tracks the number of phone calls or emails that a customer success rep is sending out. It tracks any training and enablement type sessions that may be held. Support tickets should also be integrated into this solution. So you can see the close rate of those support tickets, are they getting addressed? Are they are their needs and concerns being met? And it'll red, green, yellow each account. And so when things, obviously you wanna keep everything green but when things start slipping into the yellow, those are the ones that will be surfaced for your customer success rep to pay more attention to. And it'll also, give them why like when was this account last touched and so if you have a sla within your organization a service level agreement of talking to a customer every 30 days and somebody goes into 45 that's now a yellow account and so it gives them this is who you need to focus on type messaging to make sure that it stays top of mind
0: and uh we appreciate uh, jesse is a good good friend and he's got always great insights about uh you know his comment about great session and customer really is the profit center. So Jen, you talked earlier about one, one version of the truth, right? And does that customer success system also feed into Salesforce? So as a sales rep, and again, there's nothing, I, I, I remember I'm dating myself, I used to have a lot more hair, but there's nothing worse for a sales professional not to know a problem at your account, a challenge at your account, something that we promised for whatever reason didn't work or didn't materialize. So does that technology and the customer success also feed into Salesforce? And I've got a follow-up question, going back to the data hygiene, going back to data accuracy. It sounds like you got to continuously monitor that data information to make sure, because the customers, the end customers also leave and change jobs and responsibilities. And the person who bought it isn't the person who's using it or is the person that gonna renew it with us next
1: year? Right, yes. So to answer your first part of the question, yes. Uh, Any technology really should feed into your CRM system or whatever you have designated system of record or system of truth. Some customers do have that be a data lake and then they put like a data visualization tool on top of it, but all data needs to talk to each other and it needs to feed back and forth to one another. So, if somebody exists in your marketing automation system, it exists in your CRM, it exists in your customer success system. So, everybody has the information. Um, and then, yes, monitoring the information is is a continual job. But then also expanding who your your end users are. So, when somebody new gets added to the team, make sure that they have login credentials. They get any questions answered. You do a training and enablement session just for that person or maybe it's a review for everybody um, but making sure that you're growing the names that you keep in your system related to that account because to your point exactly people do leave and the people who sign the checks aren't necessarily who's going to be using it so making sure those contact roles are up to date in the system and who means who is who related to this account. So are you the finance person, internal champion, end user, designating those people in your own CRM system is really important.
0: For our audience, if you just joined us, you're listening to Jen Kords. Uh, we're partners in the Nor Group. Jen runs our RevOps practice. And we're talking about our RevOps baseline audit. And it's not intended as an indictment on an individual or team. It really is an independent Perspective on your processes, on your capabilities, on your tech stack, and how integrated these disparate data systems are in creating one version of the truth of that customer life cycle. There's uh, definitive and 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 uh, really strong research that shows you have dramatically a better chance of upsell and cross-sell and creating. Greater mind share and wallet share with an existing customer uh, versus constantly just chasing net new. Now, I, I know I don't know of a business that doesn't need net new growth, net new opportunities, but really thinking deeper and wider in that relationship is critical. And this baseline audit, the roadmap, really integrating marketing tech with sales tech, with customer success technology and the overarching RevOps makes a lot of sense in building and nurturing. A long-term relationship
1: and what and on that note actually when you talk about lifetime value of a customer having all your systems integrated allows you to not spend extra money on acquiring customers that you already have so if your advertising solution doesn't know someone's a customer but they fit your targeting they're going to be served ads to come buy your product when they've already bought your product. And so you're now giving them messaging that doesn't match where they are in their journey. So it makes you seem like you don't actually know what you're doing. So it's another very important aspect of making sure all your tech is integrated effectively.
0: And I often tell clients like a, you know, it's like a family. If it's dysfunctional on the inside, everybody sees it. And and when that customer, that paying customer gets an ad from you, Hey, come buy this thing that I already own. They're thinking, don't you guys talk? And don't you have your, I mean, it just, again, makes you look less than polished or professional in terms of your brand and in terms of your integrated environment. Cool. I, or, even would-
1: worse, or even worse, a sales rep reaching out to you being like, hey, come buy this product because you clicked on something on the website as additional research, or you just downloaded a white paper that was interesting to you. And now you have a sales rep wanting to sell you when you already bought.
0: As a reminder, to our audience, it's 2022, so it's not the days of us keeping all this on paper, and 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 increasingly, you know, again, I've always believed our experiences through Amazon, our experiences through eBay, our experiences through Uber and Airbnb, where they intelligently understand and maybe anticipate our next need. If that's the experience we have as consumers, that level sets our expectations of our B two B up, you know, engagements. And wait a minute, if they know what I've bought and they know where I am in that journey, why can't you? Why can't you understand that I've already bought or I'm having a problem? Or why are you making me jump through a bunch of hoops to get this issue resolved? And those all go back to processes, capabilities, and we believe the tech stack. Jen, I also want to touch up on an important topic, which is part of this baseline audit is also really reviewing the compliance with external kind of governing bodies. Talk about two or three that you'll look at and kind of what we do and how we do it as part of this audit.
1: Absolutely. So compliance with those governing bodies not only safeguards the customer's data that you are now entrusted with, but it also keeps you from getting fined. And those fines are progressively increasing and they can get really expensive and, and completely destroy a bottom line and or tank an entire company. So key ones to pay attention to are the ones here in the United States and Canada, it's called can spam. And that's, that's about communicating via email and marketing to them. And when and how you can use that name, a more restrictive one in Europe is called GDPR. And that's more of an opt in type model, like you can't just cold email anyone you want. And so knowing where somebody exists within the world allows you to make sure that your data governance practices in your tools matches. And so you're not keeping people's data longer than you should. You're not sharing that data to other parties that don't have permission to have that data. So like I said, it keeps you out of hot water. And it also just keeps your database much more clean because then you're actually engaging with people who are actively interested in your product or service.
0: So as we talked about this uh, RevOps baseline audit, it's a great independent perspective of your current processes, your capabilities, and your tech stack. And Jen, where do you go from here? So you and your team do this within a couple of weeks to about 30 days or so. You have a list of deliverables from this audit. Where do you go from here? What What is it that's actionable from the insights that you gathered during this process?
1: Absolutely. So one of the key deliverables, if the company doesn't have one already, is that roadmap and strategy. So we help just lay out, here's where we see you can go with this tech stack based on our understanding of your, your company's needs and goals. The other one is that map of how everything integrates together. And we will identify if you're duplicating efforts with different technologies and how you can consolidate those. And then also just that data health um, and how what your database looks like and how you can improve it um, to get to a better place to have better targeting or segmentation. And then if we are going to do additional work for a client, it would be then continuing that conversation into what are your buyers journeys and who are your targeted users and things like that
0: so for our audience if you missed this session uh, Jen cords uh, my business partner and, and Jen leads a team of our uh, revOps practice we've been talking about this idea of a revOps baseline audit and I want to reiterate it, it is intended to be an independent perspective as Jen mentioned uh, we don't we don't have a dog in the fight we don't have we're not competing for anybody's job and the intent certainly isn't to make anyone look bad it's really kind of for leaders, for executives, for you know alignment between those critical functions to just get an independent perspective of what's happening, and what are we doing, and what are the capabilities that we are great at, and where are some opportunities for enhancement, amplifying, elevating, kind of what we're doing and how we're doing it. Just as a reminder, the RevOps Live is every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Hope you'll continue to come back. I think next, uh, next episode, we're going to jump into CRM. And we're going to talk a lot about pros and cons. Uh, there's certainly Salesforce, but they're not the only ones. There are other technologies out there. And we're going to talk a lot about from the initial, how they're configured to kind of a mid-maturity level, if you will, to the very seasoned organizations and what they're able to do with this critical, as we often talk about, single version of the truth, with prospect, with customers, with kind of the duration of that lifetime value of the customer. On behalf of Jen cores I'm David Knorr. We're with the Knorr Group. You can learn more about our RevOps practice at norgroupcom revops. I would also encourage you to come join us in our private online community called the Knorr Forum, where we recently created a RevOps group. Jen is there every day answering questions, sharing articles, links, ideas, perspectives that you can certainly learn from and grow through this process. So thanks for having us, Jen. Thanks, as always, for your insights. And for our audience, we'll see you next week, Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Thanks, everybody. Take care.